Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Allie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Welcome to the Plan P podcast. We are so honored that you are joining us and we are continuing to have conversations to help plan and prepare for parenting for preteen, teen and adolescent children. That's a mouthful. We are grateful for all of you joining us in this conversation and allowing us to be part of your journey, because we know this is not an easy period. It's not. <laughs> I, will, I will amen to that. It's not easy at all. And we know from experience and education and reading and reading and reading and reading and studying and meeting and reading <laughs> and listening and learning and talking to other parents that it's not easy, but you get through. But it is just a stage of growth. Ours and theirs. <sighs> yeah to that. Ours and theirs. It's a journey together if we don't think we're leading them. <laughs> <laughs> if we don't get miscommunication. The incoming data is all whack. We think they're going to do it our way. Right. We will be humbled and quickly. So this week, lots and lots of conversations about the best way to take care of the kids through these adolescent years. And here's the truth. You heard it here first. When they're little, mm -hmm. it's our job to take care of them. Right. Because they can't take care of themselves. Yeah. No, it's clear. They can't do it. And then they slowly learn. And we let them. Yeah, and I think when they're young, it's easier to see and to remember that they don't know, that they can't do. And we celebrate their independence. Oh, look, look at what you did. Yeah, look, you're Our, walking. Yeah, and then look. Oh no, you're walking. <laughs> <laughs> Batten down the hedges. They're about to be teenagers. How do you childproof for a teen? Yeah. That book hasn't been written yet either. And we're not going to be the ones who wrote it. I think actually maybe that was that, um, I think we've referenced this in previous podcasts because we're always going to reference Mark Twain's quote about the... Yeah, when kids, are, when kids are little, you put them in a barrel in the basement. No, when they become teenagers, you put them in a barrel. Oh, no, I guess when they're kids, you put them in a barrel in the basement. And when they're teenagers, you plug, plug up the bunghole. Right. And I used to say, I'd like to put them in a cage in the basement and, and feed them grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. That actually doesn't, it's dark down there. Not a lot grows down there. Oh, that reminds me of the experiment um, they did with kittens. They had one kitten who was allowed to be with the other kittens, but it was confined in a little box. 
but it, the box moved around and they, you know, it wasn't uncomfortable, but didn't learn motor skills by not being able to play with the other kittens. If we could just see our little teenagers as kittens, because kittens are cute. Teenagers, mm, not so much. Not so much. So the truth is that things change. And as they become adults, it's actually not our job to take care of them. Right. This is the big shift, right? Yeah. I mean, although we hate to admit it, we are no longer in charge. They are taking over some of that responsibility mm. for themselves. Right. If they're taking over that responsibility, guess what? Care? Yes. Take? No. Right. Not our job. They're taking over. <gasps> they're taking over their own lives, though. They're not taking over ours unless we let them. Right. Right. <laughs> no, it's this this dance of um, responsibility and accountability and... Yeah, and giving and taking care, considering the differences between these, because that awareness as parents... That can being aware of that can make all of the difference. Am I giving care? Or am I taking care? Am I giving care? Or am I taking care? Right. Let me stop to consider. Because here's the other truth about human beings. Giving care is like fundamental. Mm. Like you, we like to give care to other people. That's how, you know, when tragedies strike, we all donate money to whatever. And now we have endless opportunities. But back Post-World War II is when care packages started. Not post-World War II. In the middle of... No, it would have been post. I think I looked this up once. I read somewhere. I think it was right after World... Anyhow, sometime in World War II. In the 40s. That much I remember. This notion of care packages. These were the first care packages. And they were sent from the United States. And it was um, cooperation, assistance... Relief. Relief. Everywhere. Yeah. It was assistance, giving assistance to others, helping others, taking care of others who can't take care of themselves right now, whether it's because of an earthquake or a flood or a fire or a war. Right. We take care. That is one of, that's what care packages are. And now we give money packages because someone else is going to put together the care package. But in the forties, they actually packed up packages full of food and other necessary items that were going to assist these people who needed it. Right. So one of the things is, are our kids in need of assistance? Yeah. And that can be sort of tricky because it looks like they're in need of assistance. Desperately. <laughs> um, but what they really might need is to struggle with whatever, right. whatever's going on. Because that's how they learn to tie their shoes. They tried and they tried and they tried and then they could. That's how they learned to ride a bike. They tried and they tried and they tried and they fell and they cried and they tried. Right. So do they need assistance or do they need us to give them care when they ask for it? But I think that's part of that, this transfer. Right. Well, as part of the transfer of responsibility, is it your responsibility to fix whatever or smooth the path and you know we're so used to doing it because when they're little it is our responsibility to get them to school and to help them put on their shoes and get dressed in the morning 
but we no longer, I mean, we've let go of the getting dressed in the morning, probably. Well, Although yeah. we may be fighting about the uniform or the, le- you know, the, <laughs> the length of the, the skirt. length of the skirt, but we really don't need to dress them anymore. But where that line is, is this, it's a moving target. So that makes it hard because they are taking on more and more as they should be. Hopefully. Right. And we don't necessarily like the way they're taking it on is what I hear you right. saying. That's yeah. It's, I mean, again, in that transfer, these transitional years where we're pretty sure they could really use assistance and we forget that they're learning. We get scared. We're drawn to take care of them. In fact, even I'd say, because look at them, they clearly need help. <laughs> and we lose sight of the fact that what they need help with is learning to be independent, like literally grown up independent, not independent. I can ride the bicycle independent. Right. But part of the battle a lot is we want to take care and they want to be wild and free. Right. Right. And we do not want them wild and free because we are afraid of what that means. Yeah. Wild in particular. Yeah. So we want to control them. Yeah. <laughs> we pretend it masquerades as care. <laughs> Here's right. a nice little package. <laughs> yeah. Saying uh, control is the friendly face. No. Yeah. Help is the friendly face of control. We just want to help you. Right. Lies, lies, lies. We want you <laughs> to do things our way. Right. This is how you become a grown up. Look at us. I think that's one of the things about modeling for the, through these years and being able to be responsible enough to ourselves that they can trust us to come and ask for help. Right. And then we can make a decision about whether we want to give it. Right. We can have conversations with them. We can model conversations. You need help? I'm here. You need a shoulder to cry on? I'm here. And a lot of parents really, really, really want their kids to talk to them. Really want their kids to talk to them. And it turns out that chasing someone around a house doesn't make them want to talk. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is when you say that, I'm reminded that this is also an age where they need a lot of privacy. And it feels to us like we're getting shut out. But really, it's that they need to try on these different things. And they need privacy to have fantasy about who they could be or you know what's going to happen if you know and and some of those fantasies may be sexual in nature yeah whether or not it's they need the time to sort of imagine different personas and see who they are and there's privacy in that you can't do that in front of people yeah i think you can talk about i mean some of it that's why i went to the sexual thing because a lot of the privacy is the stuff that they're experimenting with and about i mean it's sex drugs and rock and roll for lack of a better and you know rap Mm -hmm. sex drugs and rap and we don't like any of those we don't want them to engage in any of those we don't want them to know what about any of those we don't want them to experiment with any of those i think they withdraw right and so in that privacy way i think you're right they're going to do that and we may not like what they're thinking we may not like what they're experimenting with and they need friends they need time with their peers which we also bemoan right absolutely and it's interesting i wonder did you need a lot of privacy when you were a teen i've needed a lot of privacy my entire life 
And guess what? Never, right? I've not been someone who needed privacy. I'd want it. I had zero interest in being alone. Really? <laughs> so developmentally, pretty much never. I mean, I have learned how I, to love being alone as an adult. But as a teen, my privacy, I wanted privacy away from my parents. I didn't want it away from other people. Oh, yeah. See, I wanted it away from everyone. Because, so, because I had stuff to figure out. And I didn't want, you know, in particular, I mean, it seems particularly clear to me around the morning process. A grieving morning, grieving not the morning, morning hours. No. <laughs> Just clarify for right, our listeners. Right. Because um, yeah. my, my mother died when I was a teenager. And a mm. lot of that process... I felt no one could understand and talking about it was really hard. I didn't want to really talk about it with other people. I needed, I needed space around that. Yes. And I, I, I hear you. I also know your sister mm-hmm. who also has a podcast mm-hmm. where she talks about adolescent grief. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to many of those where some people want what you're needing. Right. And some people go the opposite way. Yeah. So I think that part of it is, developmentally these are pow 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 lots of stuff going on in the brain Mm -hmm. and in that way that we all are who we are what we need during the teen years in terms of a lot of developing and understanding who we are varies from person to person right yeah but you said you still needed privacy from your parents when i was a teenager yeah (laughs) i don't need it now um but when i was a teenager um, well, I wanted to be away from them. Right. And you didn't want them being part of what you were doing on a daily basis or knowing no. what you were doing. No. And why was that? Because I want to be independent. Mm-hmm. I want to be self-supporting. I wanted to take care of myself. I wanted to be a grown-up. Right. And you don't think that's trying on some of those personas like... I think to your point about child development, Mm -hmm. I think that is absolutely what was going on. Right. I think that is what's going on for all humans between the ages of like 11 and let's say 26. I think that's what (laughs) adolescence is these days. It varies depending upon where you look. 13 to 24. Right. You know, something like that. Those years, we are trying on different personas. I don't think as a teenager, I was aware of that at all at all. No, I, I don't think I was aware of that either as a trying on, I can also think of people who looked very different some years, you know, like they would come in with a new, Oh, you know, and that's going on. Like, and, and that these as days, an adult, that looks like trying on a personality because. Yeah. And I think these days, the teens today, mm-hmm. teens are experimenting with who they are at a worldwide level. Right. I think it's hard to experiment with those things with people who who know you. It's harder to do that in front of your parents. So the care that we can give them is Sometimes just to leave space, them alone. It's space, yeah, to be different than they were. And it's my understanding that most of us sort of come back to a center that is not that far from where we, we started. Not always, but... Yeah, no, definitely. I know we with Harrison, it's like, you know, Harrison was skateboarding, and I'm using air quotes here, when he was like 
one and a half. <laughs> he had the lid of a plastic bin. I still have that cover of that plastic bin. Right. Because he would carry that thing around with him and throw it down on the ground and jump on it. It had no wheels. Right. So no surprise that when he became a teenager, he had a skateboard. Right. And he was practicing ollies and building himself ramps and sawing. And I mean, he, to that point of like, they are who they are and they're going to ex- try on different things and experiment. Yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, if we're going to use Harrison as the example in his teenage years, he was, you know, he had been such a happy play with anybody kid. And then in his teenage years, it seemed to us, I don't mm. know what it seemed like to his peers, like he was angry all the time. Mm. And now he is a nice guy who is happy to play with anybody yeah, again. So I think he was happy to play with, he wanted people to play with in the high school years. Right. He was happy to play with anyone because, and he was learning. I mean, that's what teenagers do, right? And as parents, I think we want to make sure that they're taken care of in years when we can't make play dates right. for them anymore. Right. And Absolutely. We, and we want to give them care so that they know they're somewhere safe when we're worried about them. Mm-hmm. And that gets a little tricky. Definitely tricky, gets tricky, tricky. What's that on DMC? I, I it's so know. tricky. Tricky. So as they move through these years, I think that how we can take care is just by seeing them. And I'm not sure I did that brilliantly myself with either one of them. Okay. At all. (laughs) Well, it's hard. It's hard to see them because we have so much of what we've seen and expect and want hope Right. For them. Oh, those hopes and dreams we you know, have that, for them that they are crashing and burning. Yeah. That's, you I mean, know, I think that's... Yeah, we, we bring a lot of ourselves to our kids, so right. it's hard to see them. Right. So I think we have this thing of, like, we've got to step up our care right. so that they understand. So that they conform to the box we want them to be in. Right. While they are, like, breaking out of the box. Right. And don't want to be put in a box. And finding a place of seeing them and giving them the care that they need. Mm-hmm. We give them so much. Yeah. And that's like where caregiving and caretaking sort of get conflated. Because caretaker and caregiver are mm-hmm. used interchangeably. Right. And the, and giving and taking are actually very different words. Right. So it's interesting that they are seen as one thing. And we encourage parents to see them as different. Right. And I was going to say, and so we talk about it in terms of caretaking being when you're taking care of someone in order to get something. There's a, there's a string attached, which you may or may not consciously have attached. Right. No, I think that especially in the preteen, teen and young adult years, we are taking care because we are afraid they can't take care of themselves at a time when they actually can questionably sometimes. I was going to say it, it looks to us like they can't because they are not doing what we think they should. Right. But actually they know how to tie their shoes and get to school and, you know, do basic things. 
Right. And I remember when Allie was in high school and, you know, Allie was in high school. So things were happening in high school that I had expectations, perhaps, that they wouldn't indulge in, in wouldn't behave in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, maybe to my therapist, like, I really just want to stake them like a tomato plant. Oh, I love to. <laughs> Tomato plants just fill me with joy because the smell of a tomato plant is just like, for me, magical. But you need to stake them. You need to put like little sticks, some little, you know, rope, not even rope. It's like twine just to sort of help them grow in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But they can grow all sorts of directions and little sprouts here and sprouts there. And I think with Harrison, it was like, okay, that's not enough. We need you know, bigger stakes. We need more. And the schools and therapists and we're all like, yes, they need more staking. They need more um, structure. Right. They, a lot of talk. Kids need more structure. Right. They need more structure. Let's put them in a brick building or that little kitten box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they need more structure. Let's put them in a box. Right. And it's no, scary not to. It is scary not to. And it's to. scary too. Yeah, and then you put them in the box and they don't learn the hand-eye coordination or how to take ownership of things or how to be responsible for right. their actions right. because they've been shut up in this little box. Right. And we're trying to take care of them. We really yes. are. Yeah, absolutely. And it's done with love. It is done with love. And I think especially these days of what school did you get into? How much did you pay that school to accept you? I mean, I think that it, it gets very conflated. We're, we're, we want what's best for them. The kids are sort of lost in there sometimes. Mm. Like we're doing it so that we look good. We, the parent. Right. The parents are concerned about what they look like and their children are reflecting upon them and where their children go to school, whether that be high school, college, whatever, whether their kids don't go to school and the kids want to take a gap year, which everything says is a really good idea. There's lots of evidence that particularly for some kids, gap year is really a grand idea. Oh, but what if they never go back? Well, then maybe school isn't the thing for them. My father reassured me the other day that Colonel Sanders Opened his first Kentucky Fried Chicken at 62. Mm. So what are we worried about? (laughs) (laughs) They might not do things that we wanted them to do. Oh, as preteens, teens, and young adults, if they did, they wouldn't be living their lives. Right. And it's scary to watch them live their lives sometimes. But one of the other things about taking responsibility is being honest about just how in danger they are. Right. And that's a really wide spectrum. Parents are worried, you know, all the way to the maximum. Right. And it's like, okay, let's consider the reality. What are your concerns? And some parents are concerned a high volume for absolutely reasonable reasons. Right. So finding that place on that spectrum of normal teen behavior and where your care is needed and where your care is wanted and how to communicate. 
Yeah, I was going to say one of the the keys to this, I think, often is being clear, not only with yourself, but also with your child about Mm -hmm. what you're doing for them and why you're doing it. Right. And trying to not do so much for them, but giving them the ground rules for how to do it for themselves. Right. Because they still are learning. They need to learn how to do this. So you don't just say, take out the garbage. You say, when we take out the garbage, we put it here, depending on what you're trying to teach them, but you show them the first time, right? So letting them take responsibility, but also being able to supply guidelines in some cases. Yeah. And I think a lot of times as they age into the later teen years, it's not about telling them anything. It's about modeling. Mm. It's really a lot about modeling, taking care of yourself. I mean, there's endless self-care kits, self-care packages that you can have yourself sent. (laughs) They can magically send you things. But, you know, knowing yourself well enough to know what self-care means to you and how you can pause. I'm big on figuring that out through meditation and there's no end of apps for that. But but I think that knowing, modeling self-care, you can't model self-care if you don't know what it, you want. Well, and some of that also is not taking them someplace because you have other plans, like not ditching your own. Oh, yeah. You know, like, so if oh, your man. plan was to, to go have coffee with a friend, you don't dump that plan. You yeah. Mean, you mean all those trips I took? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you're saying, Quinn? <laughs> well, but, you know, I, I dropped think, for years. I think it's really easy to drop stuff for the urgency of your child's need, which does not model taking care of yourself or being responsible to right. the plans that you've made. The other thing about that, I had a parent the other day saying to me, you know, the time that I have to take off of work for this kid and they're disrupting and it's so inappropriate that they call me at work and I'm like, yeah, but you answer at work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and how do you have that conversation where you set a boundary mm-hmm. and tell them that you trust them to take care of themselves until five o'clock? Yeah. And the interesting thing is, you know, if you set that boundary, they will take care of themselves till five o'clock. Like a lot of what they call yeah. for is not, you are the easiest source. Right. You are not the only source. Well, but they're the here and they're going to get into trouble getting home because they're going to do something, jump a turnstile. And I mean, the panic sets in, right? Right. And it's like, well, if that's what they choose to do, then that's what they choose to do. And one of the things it's hard to do as a parent is sit through the discomfort of that fear and make it right-sized. Right. If the transit police pick them up the transit police pick them up what are they going to learn from that right because in the scheme of terrible the transit police not that bad right and it's a learning i mean you can turn that into a learning experience absolutely they will learn from it right what they learn how many times it well that's why i said you can turn it into like you can have a conversation with them so that hopefully they learn they may be mad at you. You didn't save me, mom. Yeah. That could be the learning experience until they're ready to take responsibility for themselves because that transfer of power. Right. From you're taking responsibility for yourself. Because I think you're right. Nine times out of 10, 
they'll make it till five just fine. Yeah. The things that kids call their parents about, I have to say between you, me, and the lamppost, and, you know, everyone listening, stuns me. Right. (laughs) And we get so in it as parents that we lose sight of that. Right. What they are actually able to do. We take away their ability to take care of themselves in some ways. Yeah. No, there's, I'm, I'm sure a whole, I don't know if it's body of literature, but there's a whole body of, of work on uh, learned helplessness. Right? right. And that's part of what this is. You answer every call and they don't flex the muscle of taking care of themselves. Right. And then we're afraid that if we don't answer, they're going to think we don't care. Right. This is how I give them care. This is how I show that I love. Yes. And in there's a book called Beyond Addiction, A Guide for Families. And I think it, there's so much great information in there that's not about addiction. I mean, being we all have addiction to something and that's sort of becoming the cultural norm these days to talk about it as what we use to self-soothe. Right. And in that book, they talk about, it doesn't have to be a parent, but I'm going to use parent. If a parent's ultimate goal is to create a healthy or happier life for their child, then being miserable and neglecting the parent's own basic needs is sending the wrong message. Right. And that's the thing about taking care of ourselves. Sending them, it sends a message right. to our children. Not that we don't care about them at all. But, but if that we, we don't care about ourselves, and they might as well not care about themselves. Yeah. Or us. Right. Either way. But we're not modeling how to take care of ourselves if we're giving our last penny to them. Right. If we can't be responsible ourselves, then we really can't give them anything. Right. Right? If I don't go to work, I don't have money to give you. Yeah. Helping them understand that I want to support them in the ways that I want to support them. And if they want more money... Where might you get a job? Right. I was going to say, they can earn it themselves at this age. Right. And some parents, you know, I I think that we sometimes would pay the kids for tasks. Absolutely. If we had something that needed doing that we would be willing to pay someone for, why not hire one of our kids to do it? Right. If they were cleaning up some mess that they made, guess what? Yeah. They weren't going to get paid for that. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that it occurs to me is giving in. Mm-hmm. ain't given like if you give in because they have worn you down right another tactic because when we when we lay out our boundaries they're not necessarily going to be happy about it they're going to try to have it be the old way where you take care of them right and they push and they push and then you give in and then they say well you gave it to me gave me 20 bucks last week right Well, and it also, I mean, in that way, and I'm sure we've talked about this, um, if you give in, then it means that you don't take any of your boundaries seriously. So why should they? Right. Again, you're sending them a message. And the interesting thing is parents, we parents are trying so hard to show them that we care. And that's not caring. Mm. That's showing them that we don't care. Right. Interestingly, because just like when they were little, they count on us. It's different, more pressure in some ways these years. Because did I mention they weren't stupid? <laughs> <laughs> They're not stupid. 
Teenagers are not stupid. So it's like the if they break their phone and you say, if you break it again, I won't give it to you. And then, of course, it breaks again. And Yeah, it's even, I mean, I think of it as just tolerating intolerable behavior. If they're like acting in ways which are not acceptable, like lots of parents. Mm-hmm. It's unacceptable that they do this. It's unacceptable. Okay, don't, so don't accept it. Right. So what, well, they won't stop. So I just have to take it. Mm. Like the care stuff in there just gets all, I want them to know. I mean, here we are again, back to, but I care about them. I love them. Like, okay, how are you going to take care of you? And they're not stupid. You can actually sit down and have a conversation with them. You may not think you can. They may not want to. (laughs) Then if they want something from you, you can wait. It's not, that's the other thing. They're still kids. They're living in your home still. And again, so many, a million different home lives going on. So it's really hard to talk about one particular, there are no absolutes in this. We're trying to give general guidelines to raise your awareness that giving and taking aren't the same. Right. Identifying what care means to you mm -hmm. is what's important. How do you want to show them, demonstrate care? Again, I just want to put a plug in for the the unconscious strings. Having clarity about these things sometimes helps you see where your expectation is. Oh, yeah. You know, where the string is. Yeah. Why are you doing this? What do you think you're going to get in return? Yeah, that giving, I'm giving hope. I'm giving money. I'm giving whatever it is Mm -hmm. that you're giving them. Right as a parent in, in hopes to get something to return, that's lying. You're not actually giving them anything. Mm, right. You're not it's giving a care. It's a, it's a trade. It's a trade. It's not yeah. giving them something. Right. But I gave them and you clearly had an expectation that they would, and it could be as simple as appreciate it. Right. It's not like you're expecting them to give you money back or something back, but, Lots of parents expect to be appreciated, yeah, which is a lovely notion. Yeah, and they might in, in 20, twenty years. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there aren't guarantees. In fact, if you attach those strings, you yeah, can... you're likely to be disappointed more than anything else and resent them. Yeah, right? yeah, that's that often happens after you've been disappointed, right? You you start to get angry that they never appreciate it right we're complicated human beings and teenagers are more complicated <laughs> and lovely i mean that's the other thing we we get so complicated and confused and afraid that we forget that they're really lovely mm. and and they will be lovely in less than 20 years <laughs> <laughs> it may not be tomorrow don't expect that that's a setup right they're going to be going through these years and you get to go through them and learn who you are at a different level even. Mm -hmm. And the thing about taking appropriate responsibility for themselves. I heard you say that. Yeah. More than once. Yeah. These are years where we want them to take care for themselves. Yeah. Care of themselves. And when you give with an expectation of any response, you're in 
what you're actually doing is asking them to take care of you. Mm. Right. Right. Because that response is, is taking care of you. Yeah. And, and we don't want to do that as parents, but can I tell you so easy? Yep. Yeah. Hard not to fall into that one. Yeah. And that lives, I mean, lots and lots of parent kids, kids, our age (laughs) who still feel like, and yes, we are in the age where some parents, some adults really do have to take care of their parents again. Mm -hmm. But even 10, 20 years ago, lots of people who go on vacation with their parents, they don't want to do that, but they got to take care of their parents because their parents are fragile people. Mm. How do we take care of ourselves so we don't raise our kids to feel throughout their lives that they have to behave in certain ways to take care of our feelings. Right. So this week's practice, take the best care of yourself this week. Consider honestly your reason for giving or taking care of anyone else before taking action. When you're giving, taking care of, or giving care to, what what is the motivation? Right. Why are you doing it? What what is your reason? And if you're not sure, hit the pause. Yeah. So until next week, remember, change takes time and so much patience <laughs> and, and practice. practice, 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 practice. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.